Welcome to Embedded Edge with Knitting, a podcast that brings to life the stories behind today's embedded systems, technologies, and products. It's the show where you'll hear from both engineers and executives on some of the most topical news and most pressing challenges in the world of embedded system design. Here's your host, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded.com, Nitin Dahad. Welcome to this edition of Embedded Edge with Nitin, in which I talk to guests about the chip foundry business, pods and modules, and next-generation EDA. In late September of this year, Global Foundries held its European Technology Summit at its fab in Dresden, Germany. I had the opportunity to attend the summit, talk to key executives, and I even got a tour of the fab. The summit itself was indeed well attended by many of the key players in the European semiconductor industry ecosystem. And the keynotes included CEO Tom Caulfield giving an in-person overview of GF's position as one of only five foundries of scale globally, and also some of the megatrends and GF's role in addressing them plus GF's investment and commitment to Dresden. He was followed by Kurt Sievers, CEO of NXP Semiconductors, who talked about the close partnership between the two companies and some of the things they've been working on. The Fab Tour, as always when I go inside a Fab, was impressive. The last time I was in a Fab was at ST Microelectronics Catania site in Italy a few years ago. No matter what we write about chip manufacturing, one has to marvel at the achievements of the modern semiconductor foundry and just how much attention to detail is necessary in almost every aspect to make such small chips happen, from the arrival of wafers to the etching and testing. What's more and more apparent in fabs today is that there are hardly any human operators. Most humans you see in the fab are either the people maintaining the equipment and the machines and robotics or cleaning. Almost everything is automated, and this is evident as you see the hundreds of carousels whizzing around transporting wafers from one process to another on the overhead tracks. I then sat down with Greg Bartlett, Chief Technology Officer of GF, who told me that the focus for GF is different to that it is not chasing Moore's Law scaling. He talks about the long-term investments that GF is making in all of the technologies and all of the end market applications that don't benefit from Moore's Law. GF Labs was launched in response to this to make sure that the breadth of foundry solutions outside of single-digit nanometer technologies have the right solutions, not just through the end of this decade, but for 2030 and beyond. He talks about the long-term focus on materials and technology development for end markets like 6G, heterogeneous integration, silicon photonics, and wide bandgap materials like gallium nitride for RF. In my second interview, Conrad Garama, CEO, COO and CTO of Congatech, told me on a recent visit to their headquarters at Degendorf in Germany about the company's vision, trends, and challenges in the boards and modules business. He specifically talks about the higher levels of system integration and the expertise needed to achieve that, especially within the embedded industry, which is implementing more and more AI, vision, and high-performance computing. He underlines why all of this needs engineering expertise, 
which Congatech has plenty of in this area. Customers are not just buying boards. They're also looking for system integration expertise and helping with aspects of system development, such as signal compliance, system qualification, and certification. In my third interview, Moshik Rabin, Senior Director for Product Management at Cadence Design Systems, talked to me about a paradigm shift in EDA verification. The context is that the EDA industry has to date just been focused on making individual tools better. But by enabling full flow, multiple tools and multiple runs, he said we can change the way verifications engineers work. This naturally coincides with the launch of what Cadence has labeled EDA 2.0, a tipping point where AI is doing much of the job that used to be done in terms of verification so that verification engineering becomes much more interesting and much more productive, according to Rubin. Let's now go over to my first interview with Greg Bartlett of GF. I'm speaking to Greg Bartlett, Chief Technology Officer for Global Foundries uh, here in uh, Dresden in Germany. Greg, hello. Good morning. Just tell us a little bit about your technology roadmap. So there's several things we're excited about. One of the big announcements we've made this year is the release of our uh, 45 CLO Photonics uh, platform with a large number of customers supporting the release of that technology. Um, it's the only 300 millimeter monolithic silicon photonics platform available in the industry today has broad customer adoption on there. We're really excited about all of the new product introductions that we're bringing now and beginning the uh, ramp in uh, volume manufacturing in 2023. One of the things you talked about is the focus for global foundries, which is not on sort of Moore's law scaling. And I, I guess, you know, you, you've, you've launched an initiative as well called GF Labs to sort of address innovation in that area. But it goes deeper than that, doesn't it? So tell me a little bit about that. So it's a responsibility we feel that... Um Moore's Law was a wonderful instrument, a wonderful metronome for the entire industry while everyone was pursuing scaling of uh, technologies. But so much of the foundry market is not related to Moore's Law scaling, not related to single-digit nanometer technologies, that it becomes a very important consideration to have long-term investments for all of the technologies and all the end-market applications that don't benefit from Moore's Law. That's something we've recognized and have launched GF Labs as a response to that as, quite frankly, a responsibility to GF, to our customers, and to the industry to make sure that the breadth of the foundry solutions outside of single-digit nanometer technologies have the right solutions, not just through the end of this decade, but for 2030 and beyond. So what does it entail? You know, whether it's in market applications like 6G. 6G we know is going to be very, very high frequencies, more than 100 gigahertz. It's going to require beam forming technologies with very short range communication. Understanding that system level guides the kind of research and development. So our next generation millimeter wave solutions on 22 FDX and 12 FDX 
they need the guidance of understanding what 6G will bring. 6G is not going to be rolling out before the end of the decade. What universities do we work with on looking at circuit designs? What emerging technologies do we need to have to enable that roadmap? That's just one example. Uh, other areas that I think GF Labs is going to be very focused on is in the area of heterogeneous integration, mm. to be able to independently optimize different technologies and bring them together without having to make any compromises by integrating those into a single piece of silicon, but by independently optimizing and then creating a, uh, a wafer bonding process that allows us to be in a single package. Give us a, an example of that, both from the technology and the end, end user end uh, product. Yeah, a, a good example, uh, because real estate inside of a smart mobile device, uh, a, a phone, uh, is becoming a premium. And as more and more bands are added to phones, you start running out of real estate for the front-end module devices that go there. So a tuner, for example, uh, as you have dozens and dozens of tuners for each band, you start running out of real estate uh, in the phone by being able to bond those RFSOI front-end module devices together, you can actually get double the amount of switching area in the form factor of an individual die. We think that that's going to be an important technology going forward and an, an area of uh, core focus for us today. And on the uh, embedded memory side, I think you're talking about uh, some of the work you're doing in that. Yeah, in the embedded memory space, we know that there's a major transition away from traditional charge-based memories, which today are you know high-volume manufacturing in 40 nanometer for a lot of our automotive customers. But as the digital density for those automotive customers migrates to more advanced nodes like 22 and 12 nanometer, finding alternative memories that are effective, whether that's resistive RAM or MRAM uh, technology, there's a new mastery of materials that you have to go through. So this is an area where our GF Labs focus of working with equipment suppliers and material suppliers becomes a key enabler. And uh, whether that's cooperations with research institutes like IMEC and Fraunhofer and Letty that we work with uh, here in, uh, in the European Union uh, to uh, Singapore and the United States, understanding where ecosystems that can help us develop those technologies that will ultimately end up being a future generation automotive solution. We think that's a really important trend that uh, Global Foundries needs to uh, uh, ensure our customers have available when those technology transitions happen. Two areas I think you referenced, which are sort of key areas of focus, um, and I think one that interests you as well, is the um, silicon photonics and wide, wide band gap. Tell me about, a little bit about both of those. So silicon photonics, you know, we announced at the uh, OFC, the Optical Fiber Communication Conference in San Diego, the release of our uh, qualified uh, technology. And we know that industrialization of that technology to the tens of thousands of wafers per year has never been done in the industry. And that we've got a really strong focus on not just first-time prototype success for our customers' tape-outs that are coming in now, but to be able to get them to high-volume manufacturing over the course of the next uh, quarters and, uh, and few years. Um, that's going to require a lot of innovation and a lot of the discipline of semiconductor manufacturing being brought to silicon photonics. 
really key area for us. Wide band gap materials were by no means the first one to enter. There are a lot of companies that are doing both silicon carbide, principally in the integrated device manufacturers, and uh, certainly gallium nitride. Our focus today is on bringing gallium nitride uh, on silicon to the marketplace in two different application areas. First and foremost, for power conversion, where we know that the very high voltage, high current capability of gallium nitride is an important differentiator compared to silicon technologies. Uh, so that's a core focus for us. Many companies are already in there. So a big part of what we're doing is looking at the sources of differentiation that we can bring to it. And we've been working with IMEC for a long time on gallium nitride technology, and we see some opportunities for differentiation compared to the uh, competitive landscape. Uh, gallium nitride for RF, we know it's uh, as we move to higher and higher frequencies, silicon technology simply is incapable of performing at the switching frequencies there. Gallium nitride offers a significant benefit. We're looking at those applications that probably won't come into the marketplace as fast as power conversion, uh, but those are both intense areas of uh, focus for us for research moving into uh, development activity in uh, 2023. And I guess for that uh, wide band gap, it's uh, part of it is around getting the cost down so it becomes more commercially viable. Indeed it is. Uh, you know, the, the GAN EPI process by itself is quite an expensive uh, aspect of it and uh, being able to produce high quality substrates and the uh, epitaxy that is required for it is one of the big challenges there and it's an area of intense focus for us from a, from a development standpoint today. And that's under GF Labs? That is an activity under our GF Labs, and um, you know we uh, we launched GF Labs just about six months ago. Have been expanding our consortia, expanding our cooperation with universities, as well as working with the equipment suppliers that make some of the emerging tooling capabilities to bring things like uh, gallium nitride to 200 millimeter manufacturing and, and bring to scale things that have been either on smaller substrates or more boutique capacity. So we think that's an important transition we'll go through in the next two to three years. Well, Greg, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Now, let's head over to Conrad Garhammer of Congatech. I'm now talking to Conrad Garhammer, CTO and COO of Congatech. Conrad, hello. Hello, Nihil. Tell me a little bit about um, what Congatech does and what goes on behind it. Yeah, in principle, we are uh, one of the leading companies for computer models, business, and design. Yeah, so we are taking uh, blue chips from companies like Intel, AMD, and others, and integrated in computer models and doing the integration on these models for our customers. There's a lot more that goes on behind. So normally the boards are complied with some standards from PCMG and the ASCAD, like ComExpress or ComXPC and new standards. And as on the on the model is the CPU, the memory, and the high-speed interfaces. The design is quite complex. It's high-speed signals. We have a high we have capabilities in the company of doing the high-speed signal designs, the layouts, the PCB designs, and of course doing the compliance measurements as well for the customers. And that involves a lot of uh, test equipment, uh, test gear, and but also a lot of design engineering skills. Yeah, we have a lot of design engineering skills in the companies. I think over one third or nearly half of the companies are engineers of Congotech. And we have different design centers. We're doing the designs in-house from the hardware perspective, schematics, PCB layout designs, mechanical designs, and of course, the signal compliance measurements, qualifications, and EMC measurements in our team. 
And uh, your business is not just focused on just selling the, the modules. You actually do a lot of uh, designing services and support for your customers because a lot of them do actually need a lot of support. Is that right? Yes, customers do need some support because the high-speed signal design is more complex and getting more complex in the future. We are doing some schematics reviews, design in support, design in measurements. We are helping them in doing their, their reviews, their qualifications. And this is one of the major support tasks from our side. And what are the trends you're seeing in industry um, and uh, what are the challenges your customers are facing? So the major technical trends, of course, is uh, vision, artificial intelligence, real-time computing, real-time communication, high-performance computing at the edge, and of course, security safety. And we are helping our customers in doing their system design, in integrating our, the technology of the chip in their system, in doing the final qualification and bringing it in a very fast time on, on the market. And uh, what are the tr uh, sort of challenges your customers are facing on that? Mm -hmm. Mainly it's the signal compliance and, and the right way of doing the design to keep the compliance done and to qualify the system for the different markets and, and, yeah, and certifications. Chips you support, I think it's everything from x86 to ARM to uh, what else? So it's everything from x86 to ARM. We are thinking about, of course, doing some designs for RISC-Vs. We are in the first contact uh, with sci and other companies are doing this to bring us on the next level. We can, of course, doing some designs on the FPGA side, but at the moment it's more, more x86 ARM and we are now focusing on going to RISC-V as well. Depends on chip availability, I guess. Yes, you're right. It's, this is a major concern at the moment, a major blocking point to have the chips available to integrate it on the modules to make the first product design and bring it out. Okay. And what's your vision uh, from a technology point of view for Congatech over the next few years? On the next few years, we would like to focus and concentrate more on a high integration level for our customers to give them more you know, more on the next levels. We will focus more on the software support, firmware support, up to operating system level, as we also have the real-time systems hypervise in our portfolio. This is something we would like to, to evaluate more and to use more for the customers to have this more performance on the workload consolidation side and to enable the customer to focus on his application, on his use case and his core competence. And it's not just the big companies, because I think all the startups as well, and they're looking for somebody who can give them that electronics expertise, which you don't, they don't have. Yeah, you're right. So we have not only the big companies uh, in our portfolio, in our, in our customer side, we have a lot of startups. They don't have the experience on the electronic design side. They, are, they, are, they know about their focus, about their core competence, about how to handle data normally. And we are supporting them on the system design side, on the, on the system integration side, so that they can be successful on the market with their solutions. And yeah, there are many uh, module suppliers out there. Um, what do you think uh, puts Congatech uh, in front of them or distinguishes them? Yeah. At the end, Congatech was focusing very long time on the module concept, on the computer models, and we have a lot of experience on this with a lot of colleagues who have a lot have worked in this area for a long period in time. As they have seen a lot of different technologies, and we are supporting the customer in a very broad aspect, you know, from the schematics review until the final qualification certification. So we have engineers and support engineers dislocated and distributed on the globe. So we have a local access to the customer, the customer can ask us directly uh, the questions. We are supporting them on-site and doing the integration, the testing. We have the equipment in-house and we can give him advice and support in all aspects of the design. Conrad, thank you very much. You're welcome.
finally, we now talk to Mushik Rubin at Cadence about EDA 2.0. I'm with Mushik Rubin, uh, who's a senior product marketing director for system verification at Cadence. Hello, Mushik. Hi, great to be here. We're talking to you because you've launched a, a new platform, which you call EDA 2.0, or the start of EDA 2.0. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, it's a verification platform. Yes, indeed. Well, we call it EDA, the beginning of EDA 2.0, because up until today, we were focusing on making every and each tool that Cadence has running faster, you know, in bigger capacity uh, and, and better performance. And with that platform, we are actually starting to look and connecting between the different tools and between the multi-RAM. So a customer that ran our tools uh, yesterday, tomorrow and tomorrow and, and uh, the day after, now we can provide uh, intelligence application based on those runs to speed up the work and make it way more productive. Okay, and so uh, the platform is called Verisium, is that right? Tell us a little bit about that and what it does. Exactly. So it's called Verisium, and this is focusing on verification. And in particular, we are uh, targeting the debug part of verification because it's a huge part of every uh, verification engineer day. And we actually launched a series of different apps that help to speed up the debug process dramatically from the very beginning of looking at your regression failures and bucket them and telling you which failure you want to tackle first through comparing you know, how your design that yesterday uh, was working and today failing, what are the main differences and which one are the most disruptive ones, all the way to giving you the specific signals and the specific time that probably are the root cause of the bug. What are the benefits? Right, we have several customers that actually provide us uh, public quotes and then we're working them for a while on these applications. And the bottom line, they are telling us that you know, they are seeing 10x productivities. And the reason is that you know, up until today, everything was done manual by then, right? So when there was a failure, the first had to sit together and you know, bucket those failures, understand which one they want to tackle first. And later on, they will need to figure out where the, the, the fellow is coming from, right? And if there are multiple APs and multiple groups, they had to be dependent on, on many people to figure it out. And then, you know, they need to understand what is the root cause? Where is the change in their design that created the bug? Uh, so all of those steps are now being automated and shortened by, dramatically by all the apps that we are providing. So now this sits on top of your existing platforms and basically tries to capture all the data from all these different tools that you already have. And then you're providing, you're basically applying uh, machine learning to then figure out what's going on and do what these engineers were doing manually before. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. So our engines are collecting and um, injecting tons of data, right? Every simulation is around the design information, the logs, the waveform, all of that is being captured. And up until today, this data was not utilized, was not used, was not leveraged. And we kept it in the, you know, the engineer brain and experience to figure out what to do with it. Now, all this data is being uh, captured and kept in JEDI, which is our cross-platform database across all Cadence engines. 
Now that we have the data, we can mine it and provide those AI applications. You said Jedi, that sounds almost Star Wars, but what does Jedi stand for? It's the joint enterprise data platform that, again, it serves not just the verification engines, but the all cadence engines to drive data into a single place, and then we can leverage it to do smart things and uh, useful application on top. Um, talking of smart, I think it's basically going to overcome big of the big challenge that we have in the industry already, which is the lack of interest in verification or lack of engineers in doing verification. Is that right? Definitely. You know, although verification is the most critical part of every chip design, and we know how complex and how much smart and experienced the engineers need to be, it is being perceived as kind of uh, sometimes an inferior, uh, you know, a job. And big part of it is the tedious, repetitive work that needs to be done is, is, is you know, for debugging and many other attacks. Now, with those applications, actually, a lot of that is being taken care of automatically by the, uh, by Verizium and the AI apps, and we are leaving only kind of the, the more interesting, more advanced stuff for the verification engineers. So it's going to help in you know, making the whole uh, industry and the whole kind of uh, verification engineering work much more interesting and attractive. And this becomes really useful in you know, the 10x you're getting. It's really when you're doing large SOCs and with everybody designing bigger and bigger chips, I think that's where it becomes relevant. Is that right? You got it right. Yeah, you know, the more IPs that you have on your SOC, the more uh, complex uh, it gets, the more changes that you apply along the project, you know, the more value that you would see from uh, those AI apps because th th that's, that's the point. You, you are gaining two main things. One, you are shortening the time dramatically because, again, you, you can identify the bug or the root cause automatically. And two, you are reducing dependency on the knowledge of different people, right? So if today you got to pick up the phone and call the guy that knows a specific IP in order to debug it, with the new application, you'll be automatically be able to detect where the bug is coming from and what is likely driving it. So the dependency is going down on the people and the time is shrinking. So yeah, the more complex the design is, the better value we'll get. Uh, what does this point to in the industry? I think you're, you're talking a little bit about paradigm shift. That's a, a, a sort of big statement. Tell me what that means. It, it is, and I, I stand behind it. So I, I think up until today, EDA in general, not just cadence, you know, we were focusing on making our tools individually better. And it was crucial and it's going to be still be crucial, right? Because we need to be able to simulate billions of uh, transistors. We need to provide uh, synthesis for, you know, huge designs and do packaging. All of those requirements keep going to grow. But now, instead of just making the tools better by themselves, we're actually looking it's the full flow on multiple tools and on multiple runs. And this is the paradigm shift, right? We are not anymore just improving the individual tool, individual run. We're actually linking together what you did yesterday, what you did the day before, and what you're going to do tomorrow, and what else you are doing with the other tools to make much stronger offering and provide much more productive uh, applications on top of the individual engines. And so what you're implying is it changes the way verification engineers will work. Definitely. I think that, you know, moving forward, people will look behind and, and look at this Verizium launch as the, the tipping point of up until today, you know, there was one 
paradigm and how verification engineers were working. And from now on, uh, it's going to be a different uh, game where, again, the AI applications are doing much of the job that used to be done. And, you know, the, the, the focus is going to be shifting into the kind of the secret sauce and the more advanced, uh, you know, verification aspect of the work. So, yeah, it's definitely a paradigm shift. Moshe, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode. That was Embedded Edge with Nitin, and I'm Nitin Dahad. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.